Hey, what's up everyone? I'm Chelsea. Welcome to the Enneagram of Essence. This podcast is about reminding us of what is good about us deep down in our core. Our essence is something pure, beautiful, and powerful that can never be taken from us and never tainted, no matter what we've been through. It is our true self beneath all the layers of defenses, stories, and neurotic habits that we call our personality. Unfortunately, the Enneagram is often used in a way that reinforces our bad habits. It can become one more way to identify with our ego. But the most important thing I've learned from my Enneagram teachers is that our Enneagram type is actually not who we are. It's what keeps us from being who we are. It is possible to embark upon the epic journey from our ego to our essence. And there are two main tools that bring us there. One is the cultivation of presence, which means we must be in contact with ourselves in the living moment, the unfolding now, by having the courage to connect to our bodies, hearts, and minds. The second tool is to have spiritual disciplines or practices that help us return to this presence again and again. And there are myriad ways of doing this, as my guests on this show demonstrate through their stories about their own epic journeys back home to essence. Thank you so much for joining us today. All the freedom we seek is internal. for Enneagram Type 8, and I'll be speaking with Chelsea McMillan, more commonly known as Chelsea Mack. Chelsea's life is dedicated to sparking radical and loving collective change. Chelsea is an organizer, ordained minister, and spiritual director, writer, co-founder of Brooklyn Center for Sacred Activism, and co-host of a podcast for sacred activists called The Rising, Spirituality for Revolution. With a diverse background in inner spiritual ministry, climate justice organizing, and the performing arts, Chelsea has spent the last 15 years facilitating humans of all ages and backgrounds. She loves to learn new things, enjoys a good conversation more than just about anything, and really, really gives a shit about changing the world. In her free time, she likes to geek out about the Enneagram, sing show tunes, and ride her bike around the city. For more information on her work, visit ChelseaMcMillan.com. All right. So I'm just going to start with a little centering um, just for a few minutes so we can really show up and be fully present to this conversation, to ourselves, to each other. Um, so if you want to close your eyes, go ahead. Do whatever you need to do to... Settle in and get balanced, comfortable. And we'll just breathe. 
for a few minutes here. Checking in with the body. Remembering that there is a body. Feeling all the sensations. Points of contact with the chair or clothing. Allowing the breath to ground us in this moment. And as we do that, maybe we notice heart coming online, opening up, coming out of hiding. And as we continue to breathe, staying in contact with the body and the heart, we might notice that the mind begins to settle down. So we'll just take one more conscious breath here. And just bring this uh, sense of aliveness and energy, this power that we find in the present moment. We'll bring that into our conversation today. Okay. Chelsea, thanks. Nice to start that way. <laughs> yeah. So I want to just mention um, briefly before I start asking you all my curiosities about <laughs> being an eight, um, I just want to mention briefly, you know, what really the essence qualities of the eight are <laughs> just um, to kind of tap into that before we get started. And you know, they get kind of named usually as things like strength, aliveness, uh, immediacy, life force, um, you know, all these words that are trying to port, point to something that is kind of out of out of reach for for words, but um, but it's really this sense of a power in um, being alive and uh, tapping into like an energy flow that is like greater than ourselves and not needing to um, like impose our will on things, but to kind of flow along with. <laughs> You know, something something greater that we can be a part of. And I think I just want to mention right off the bat too that you know eights are often one of the most misunderstood types and especially female eights, I think. Um, and you know people have these stereotypes about eights, you know like being bullies or being scary or things like that. Um, and really, I think it's important for us and for other people to remember that when people are being that way, eights or, or any Enneagram type, when they are being bullies, they're actually disconnected from their eight energy mm -hmm. because, yeah. yeah, because like when there is that sense of aliveness and empowerment, there's no need to control other people. 
it, it comes out as more of an empowerment and a, a confidence. So I just wanted to name that off the bat so that um, listeners can <laughs> can get that out of their minds right away. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that because that's something I've struggled with, and uh, and 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 I'm in in spaces a lot where people are talking about the Enneagram and I've taken workshops and people seem to have no problem talking about their difficulties with eights in a way that I don't think I've, and I could be biased, but I don't hear the same sort of, um, the same sort of thoughts or feelings around other types that are like, it's sort of, sort of okay to be like, oh yeah, eights are hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've had a hard time with eights and, and I'm like, I would never, in a public space be like, well, I've had a problem with twos or fours or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's some sort of, um, maybe it's because they think eights can take it, but I'm like, that's not, <laughs> that's not what this is about. You know, yeah. it's actually about coming to more understanding, I think about why, why, why you view me that way right. as a, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, it goes both ways for sure, but right. Yeah, and certainly a lot of people have had um, come into contact with eights who have, you know, bowled them over or been a bad boss or this and that, and and that's real too. But um, but there is a misunderstanding about even for for those eights who are less self aware, like why are they doing that? And there is a sensitive, tender heart under this hard exterior that can yeah. be hurt. And people do forget that about eights. It's like, yeah, they're tough, whatever. They can take it. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about, about it because, um, I I was realizing like, you know, as an eight, I've structured myself around fear of being seen as weak, you know? So that's like, that sort of leads to this whole, like this self that I've organized around that, but it's also, it's also an overcompensation for the lack of people showing, like lack of people around me showing up to take care of things. Do you know, like, it's not just me overcompensating for a feeling of weakness. It's like, I'm so sensitive and and see that people aren't taking care of me or taking care of the things around me. So now I have to overcompensate and be the strong one in order to make sure that things are taken care of. Right. Yep. I mean, we're so sensitive that we've like organized our entire beings around not being sensitive. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's the short of it, I think. Don't tell anybody. That's sort of the eighth secret is that we're actually soft little. (laughs) Squishy part in there somewhere. A little bit. It's deep down, but it's there. (laughs) We only talk about it in private. (laughs) Oh. So um, before we get into all the ways that you are amazing and you've you've done your work and you're self-aware and kind of the ways that you're using your life force for good, um, I think it would be helpful to start with just talking a little bit about like the earlier version of you, maybe like high school Chelsea or college Chelsea and, you know, how... Um, how did she show up as an eight and, and what was, um, you know, in what ways were you kind of just running your personalities program, like this mm-hmm. autopilot 
and you know how was that creating stress for for you or for the people around you yeah it's funny to think back on those times because i actually when i first took the test i tested as a two and i think it's because i had i was in the midst of like you know, having for a few years done a lot of work on myself. And then I read about the eight and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. That's all the stuff that I've struggled with my whole life. Yeah. Um, was, was being seen as intimidating. I, you know, I like when I look back on high school or, um, or younger and maybe even a little older than that, um, I, I feel like I just didn't understand why people were being the way they were and I was just like why can't people just do the thing or like why are we wasting so much time on this you know on this nonsense and I was I was always arguing with my teachers I was always talking back and um and 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 just like naming things and people were so shocked and 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 I think it left me really isolated like people would often use the word intimidating around me. And I was like, I don't feel, I mean, what would it mean to feel intimidating? But I never thought I was trying to, you know, bowl over anybody. I just was like, I just had strong opinions and I said them. And <laughs> and I was waiting for people to come back at me with their strong opinions and like, let's see what's there, you know? Uh-huh. I loved arguing, I loved debating. Uh, my favorite class was this um, US government class and I grew up in a really conservative town, and I was one of the few uh, pro- self-proclaimed liberals in that I knew of, you know. And I just like loved debating and arguing, and because I thought it was fun. Like I, I, I saw like there's like creativity, like a generativity there. Um, oh, but it seemed like other people took it really personally. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> You know, it's, I've been hearing from a lot of eights that there was a point when they thought they were twos. And mm. I think it is because eights are incredibly generous and, and trying to help other people. And it's just, they kind of go about it in a different way than twos. It's mm-hmm. more of a protective energy and twos is more of a nurturing energy, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that's right. And also I think as a woman... Like I'm, I think I was more socialized to be, to think of myself as like a helper or someone who's like taking care of people around me. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because it, I think it also points to sort of an unawareness of, I guess like the felt sense. Cause I like, I think it's like, oh yeah, I think I'm taking care of people, but they're like, oh my God, she's so intense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's the 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 power of uh, self delusion is, is yeah. incredible, right? I mean, yeah. we all when we look back, it's like, oh, how did I not see that? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and and then you get these little clues from other people. I mean, definitely being called intimidating a lot was one clue, but um, but also, you know, like as I, so after high school, actually, I never went to college, I joined this performing group, and I toured, and I, so I had this, like, really sort of, I don't know, unique and interesting experience, where I was just, like, I was, like, traveling all the time, and I was teaching, and singing, and performing, and it was a really grassroots, um, really sort of a grassroots 
organization. And so we did our own props and costumes and, and things like that. So we would like load into towns and then set all of our equipment up and do workshops and everything. And I got really, really intense about recycling. Like I would make sure that everybody was like putting their cans and bottles in the right bags. And I just, this is, this is what made sense to me. I was like, why wouldn't we do this? There's no reason we shouldn't be doing this. And, and I remember like yet again, like another meeting, you know, we had a meeting every single day (laughs) and like every other day I would raise my hand and be like, you guys, we really need to recycle and we really need to sort our trash and not put the trash and the recycling together. And I remember saying that and then seeing these two friends of mine sort of share a look like this sort of like, there's Chelsea again, this sort of like, you know, it, it was just sort of a glimpse. Like I didn't know that it was that I was having this effect on people or, you know, and I don't even know exactly what that effect was, but like, mm-hmm. but it was like sort of a mirroring moment where I was, it took me out of myself and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't what everybody wants right now or cares about, or, you know, I think eights, I think we can often just assume that everybody, I, I mean, maybe every type does this, like thinks that people think the way that they do, but I think we get kind of identified with our group we're like, yeah, we just all believe this thing, right? Or we all do this thing because that's just the way it is. Right. <laughs> Super upsetting when other people don't follow along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what else, like, as as you think back on your journey of um, kind of self-awareness and, like, moving into being a person who you know, started doing inner work or, I mean, I know you have like, you're into contemplative spirituality and I don't know when that all started for you, but I'm curious, um, you know, what were some of the things along the way that did help you wake up and see different aspects of yourself, whether that was um, a certain like person or activity or job or spiritual practice or um, really anything? Yeah, it was, it's really a lot of things. I think, you know, for the past probably decade or so, I've been on this sort of spiritual healing, holistic sort of journey. And, um, but even before that, sort of around that time when I was in that performing group and, and that was like really when I was getting a lot reflected back to me, which, um, which I think helped, it helped sort of soften me. It sort of helped that was just like the first clue, like, oh, this is how I'm being perceived. Um, I didn't really know what to do with it. But then when I started doing yoga and meditation and um, and learning conscious communication where, uh, you know, even something simple as like as simple as an I statement, like mm-hmm. I'm feeling this way and then learning that someone else feels a different way and then like figuring out why we feel those ways was sort of a, a wake up for me. Then like then it could be sort of clearly communicated. And I think it helped me realize what I was actually feeling. Cause I think I think there's a lot of um I mean even still I find times where I'm like not really connected to what I'm feeling. And I just 
I can feel energy rushing through me, but then I realize that there are like actual emotions underneath that (laughs) or like, yeah. Um, so I think, I think some of those things help. So just like really, really quieting down and being in more of sort of, um, I don't know, places and spaces that prioritized feeling, I, to kind of put it simply, like I spent a lot of time at um, working for a holistic uh, retreat center, like I was on staff there. And it was just sort of the culture where we like talked about our feelings, <laughs> um, which was sort of like, oh, wow. And, and it just got me in touch with my feelings, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's sort of the the beginning of it. Sure. Yeah. And it's, that's interesting. The, you know, the differentiation between emotions and sensations. And I'll share one memory about you that I think is cute and funny. Um, that uh, The first time we met, it was at that conference, the spiritual directors conference. And, um, and we had, our group was so connected and we just had such a beautiful time. And um, and at the end, when we were all saying goodbye, you had texted me and you were like, oh, I realized there was water coming down my face. And then I was like, oh, I'm crying. What am I feeling? Oh, it's happy tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, first the sensation of like, oh yeah, water. <laughs> And then, and then the identifying of like, wait, what, what is this emotion? Yeah. Um, Which I think is, is really cool actually, because, um, because I think a lot of people have a a concept or an idea of what they're feeling or what they should be feeling, but they're so disconnected from their bodies that Mm. they don't actually know. It might just be a story and there might be a whole slew of other feelings that the body's trying to communicate underneath that, that they're yeah. not paying attention to. Yeah. So I think this is an advantage as like one of the body types to, and especially as an eight, I think to feel that the intensity of the sensations in the body is like, it's information, right? It's, there's a lot mm-hmm. there that that's being communicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think it's helpful to start getting the, it was helpful and it has been helpful to get language for the differences between those things. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And to realize that I was feeling things and. Right. Yeah. Because for, for eights, um, you know, there's, you know, the three centers of the, the body, the heart and the, the head. And for each type, there's, there's one center that we tend to forget about. Or um, it's sort of like the last one that we check in with. And for eights, it tends to be the heart. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm hearing in your story that there's like, there, there were certain things that um, opened up space for you to like, almost like practice checking in with, with that part of yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally became a practice. And I, and I think the past the past decade or so has really been about just softening and, and realizing that that actually brings more people in and, and helps helps me feel more connected and and um, 
than just like, I don't know, shouting and <laughs> bowling everyone over all the time. <laughs> I mean, usually I just feel it as passion and excitement. Um, but sometimes other people are, I, I've, I've learned over the years that people hear the tone before they hear the words that I'm saying. Okay. And that's, that's been a hard lesson. I think I'm still learning that sometimes that people just hear what they perceive as like anger or, you know, and, and then they just like think like, oh, I can't deal. I think anger is really hard for some people. And, and so I've like, I've learned that more and more, but yeah, people hear the tone and I'm like, I've, I've literally had, uh, like I'll be in conflict with someone where I'm like saying something and, and, you know, it'll be like a debate, but then it like, you know, we could be debating like some sort of political idea or something. I mean, I know that's often very fraught, but, um, but something that isn't like I'm talking to someone who's like diametrically opposed to me. It's someone who's like, we generally are sort of on the same, you know, point of the political spe spectrum or whatever, but, but we'll be arguing about something and, and I will, because, because I've had like a decade of like compassionate communication training, like, and practice, not training, but like, you know, I got, I got sort of trained in conscious communication and then have been practicing it for the past decade is what I mean to say. And so I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll um, acknowledge over and over what that person is saying. Like, yes, I hear you saying that. And I still think this thing, you know, like, I, I like I'm like signaling to that person that I'm hearing what they're saying, uh -huh. but I've had I've had people say you're not acknowledging me or hearing me at all, and I'm like I've literally said those words over and over and over again in this conversation, uh -huh. but but because of my tone, because it feels passionate and excited and probably angry to you, uh -huh. there's some sort of block there where people can't actually hear me saying that. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that's a frustrating dynamic. It's really frustrating. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I think if I, it's funny because I'm like having this moment where like, it is so easy for me to access the like frustration about it. I'm like, doesn't, yeah, like, can't you just understand that frustration? <laughs> but really underneath it is, is a, is a feeling of disconnection and like, yeah. you're actually not hearing me, you know, like you're, like, I don't think you're listening here and I'm not being heard or seen in this moment. So, so you've, you've said that you do enjoy the debating element. And I know, like, I do think for a lot of other types that like a debate or dissenting views feels like a fight mm -hmm. or we're fighting now because we don't agree. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, I, you know, I see this little smile on your face and that's clearly not your experience. Yeah. You're not experiencing it that way. How are you experiencing it? It really is. It really can be and often is uh, an experience of intimacy. I mean, it's really for me, it's like, oh, you're showing up to this. Like you feel present to me when you're showing up with with passion or uh, conviction, mm -hmm. even if you disagree with me, I'm like, oh, okay, this, this person's here. Like, it feels like there's a presence here and that you're not gonna back away and you're gonna, 
you're not going to like abandon this relationship. Mm. Like that's, that's really, I, it's, I think it took me a long time to really articulate that, but, um, but it, but the more that I've realized that the more that I actually can really feel when the opposite is happening, like when someone has shut down or, uh, because they're afraid of the anger or whatever, um, I like feel disconnected from them. And then, and then I feel myself starting to retreat. Then I'm like, oh, this person can't, can't show up to this relationship. They can't handle me. They don't know what they're about. Like, I want to feel a person's core. I want to know, like, even if you think things that I think are crazy, like if you really believe them all, I mean, there are probably limits to this, but like, but I'll, you know, I really respect conviction and, and passion about something. If you really know why you think a way, then 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 I'm curious about it. And, and we're like present to this same relationship in the same conversation, you know? Yeah, I, I think other types, it's like, it is just so important to hear that and be reminded of that again and again, like that you need to lean in, <laughs> like, come on people like when you're talking with an eight match them like yeah. <laughs> it's you know like that's their way of trying to get close to you and yeah and um and yeah like certainly boundaries and stuff are important and to not yeah. like go too far but um but yeah just as a, like an encouragement I mean because that's I I I'm a pretty conflict avoidant person when I'm being honest, you know, so, but I've, I have learned that with eights, like when it feels like I'm fighting with them now, I know like, Oh, now it's getting good. <laughs> like this feels yeah. like really threatening to me, but because I know the Enneagram, it's like, Oh, I know they're having a good time and maybe I can like bring some more like playfulness into this on my end to, yeah. to be able to stay like lighthearted enough and not get to that point where I shut down. And, yeah. and for me, the way that I have to do that is like by bringing in, um, you know, some humor too, even if it's just like an internal, um, but that's, that's yeah. balanced, I think. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of an interesting thing because, I mean, for sure, like, I, and this is not to, like, excuse all terrible eight behavior and, like, when we have, like, come off too strong or um, or when it, it is a personal thing, like, I need to, you know, find a way to create power or something like that. Like, you know, things that are really, like, wrapped up in ego mm -hmm. um, and really are unhealthy and destructive to relationships. And like at the same time, I think that a lot of the time it's really like, if we can just debate, then for me, it's like beyond ego. Then it's like, oh, we're just like, we're just like seeing how these ideas can play with each other. And it really has nothing to do with you and it has nothing to do with me. It's just like, we're vessels for, for seeing what's here, you know? And, and that's, that to me feels like a, a place beyond ego like it's you know we don't have to have all, all of our baggage sort of caught up in that yeah you know? yeah this feels like it's touching into um a little bit of the type five too like the, mm. the eight that arrow connection to five but like the high side of five 
like yeah. this, the curiosity and the willingness to play with ideas and um, yeah, just like bat around different perspectives until we learn something new instead yeah. of assuming like, I already know it all. Things are either this way or that way, <laughs> but to, to just play with like the gray area too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important. And something else that's coming up for me around, like around you saying that this is when it's getting good with an eight, like when you get to debate with them. I know for me, when I'm feeling unsafe or like I can't trust this person, I actually tend to not like lash out or be, you know, uh, um, like outwardly expressive with my anger, I actually tend to shut down and go more into that five space. Mm-hmm. It's when I like really have built intimate intimacy with someone that, um, that I'll be a little, I mean, it, it's not always like this, but I can, I have found that sometimes that protection comes up in like a way of just like shutting down. And I'm like, okay, there's nothing here for me with this person. I'm just going to like shut down and protect myself. Yeah. Um, but if I can see that someone's like there with me, then, then some of that, like, um, more like fun debating will, or, and sometimes like actual arguing will, will come out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. So I'm wondering, like, as you started to do, you know, spiritual practices and yoga and, uh, learned about you know kind of what your ego is up to and how to (laughs) counter that um like like what kind of resistance to that comes up like like the ego's resistance you know like is it like do you remember times when of like rebelling against um (laughs) doing these things that you knew were good for you or or something like that Mm. yeah I mean you know, now it's to the point where I'm like, I can see when it's happening, but I'm still doing it. Like I'm, I'm fighting with this person or, um, like I'm fighting with this person to kind of keep them around, (laughs) like causing trouble just so that we'll like stay connected sort of. Um, yeah, I mean, I think resistance comes up a lot. Um, you know, in a, in a strange way, I guess I, I don't know if I would call it resistance, but, but in a way it is, um, it's like resisting what I can sense is like the essence that wants to come through is, I think that I've like, actually, I think that there's been a, a time for sure in this, this journey of self-exploration where I really swung into the like, oh, I'm just going to be really soft and not decisive and not a leader and just like be quiet and like let people like not try and, you know, impose my will or like, I think I got scared to be who I am. And, and, and sometimes it still comes up actually, like there are definitely, um, circumstances or relationships where I, um, I, I sort of start to take on some of the unhealthy habits of a two where I get kind of like, kind of codependent and like, I'm just going to like do whatever you need. And 
you know, I kind of like just, I start denying myself and go into those places of like overgiving. Um, I, yeah, in a way that that's, that's sort of been the like, I don't know if it's like the resistance, like, but in a way that is kind of resisting who, uh, resisting the essence really that wants to come through me, yeah. I think. Yeah. So that's interesting because it's, uh, it's like, there was an experiment. It's like, once you learned what your ego was up to and it was like too intense for some people, then you, you cut way back as an yeah. experiment. And it sounds like that didn't quite work out for you. And that's not where you are anymore. So like what, where have you swung back to and, and how do you see uh, balance in in like the way that you engage in relationships or in leadership, um, you know, what is like, what does that look like for you now? Yeah, I think it's really, yeah, I don't know. The balance, the balance is balancing is a good word. Sorry. I was trying not to burp. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like holding it back. Um, this is what you wanted with an A, right? Just like burping and cursing and I don't know. <laughs> you can cut this if you need to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, I don't know. It's funny, like sometimes it, uh, in some ways it's like made me a little more neurotic. Like I'm like, okay, what needs to happen in this moment? Like who, which Chelsea needs to show up? Um, but it, it's come out more and more. I think that like I, I've been in more of that soft, like, let me just be the nurturer, blah, blah, blah kind of space. And I've learned a lot from that. And I've like learned how 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 that actually helps me empower others or feel more connected. And like there's there's a lot of gift that a lot of like gifts and benefits that come from that. Um, but it's it's kind of funny because it's like the essence of the eight kind of follows me like people you know will talk to me is like the, they're like you're such a leader chelsea and like they'll, they'll like reflect things to me and i'm like really oh yeah i guess so and and i keep finding myself like in positions where like i'm up in front and i'm like leading large groups of people i think a lot of it has come recently i've been uh organizing with extinction rebellion a climate justice movement I know you know of and have been a part of um and like just kept finding myself like like organizing big big marches and big actions and like leading and speaking in front of people and um and kind of like not expecting any of that but but it kind of like happening you know what I mean like oh like Chelsea's the one to do this you know so it's weird. It's kind of like followed me. <laughs> um, and it's, and I think like something that I take very seriously when I like really kind of tap into the essence of it, it's like, oh, this like doesn't really have anything to do with this, like this Chelsea person that it, you know, is in the world and like the, you know, the kind of like shell of myself or whatever, like this like person that's been created. It's like, I can feel these really amazing, powerful things come through me. And I'm like, and it's not me at all, you know? And, but on this, on this, at the same time, the sort of like ego stuff is like, oh, well, like 
you know, I have this background in performing and so I can speak, like I can use these things that I've like sort of, uh, I don't know, like things that we would think of as ego, like just our experiences and background and skills and things like that, that, that actually like are totally in service to that essence. Yeah. You know? I love it. I don't know. I don't know if that was answering your question, no, but that's, that's awesome. And this, I love this distinction too, because it's like, um, you know, we don't want to get rid of the ego. The ego is not actually the enemy, it, but yeah, it can be used as a tool, um, like consciously to like pick it up when it's needed and get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Get organized, get people organized and, you know, all, all the things that, that you do. And, um, you know, essence alone, I, I don't know if it could do that. It's like, it, it kind of needs yeah. the, the, the functional, you know, person who's had some training and <laughs> has <laughs> these skills and yeah, but so that is, is just in support of like this greater power that is available to be tapped into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I had a teacher, um, like I used to work at a church and, and my boss was studying to be a union analyst and uh, was re- very well versed in the Enneagram. And she was, she said, eights have a really strong ego, like in a good way, like, mm-hmm. like it can be in a good, you know, it tends to be in a good way. Like we've actually strengthened our egos and now we just have to like connect to spirit. Whereas like other types, like more on like the four or five spectrum, you know, that really like internal, like they can be so connected already to to spirit and truth and beauty and all those kinds of things, but they like actually need to strengthen their ego. Yeah, yeah, good way to put it. I love that. Um, so you mentioned Extinction Rebellion. Um, <laughs> I would, I would love to hear just a little bit more about either that or other things that you currently feel passionate about. And like, when you're actually in there doing the work with the people at the march, at the protest or up in front, giving a talk or whatever it happens to be, like, how, how does that show up for you? You know, what does it feel like for you? Um, and I'm sure it's not the same every time, but, um, what is that that like for you in the leadership positions you find yourself in? And yeah, well, uh, so I should back up and say that, like, I was attracted to XR because of this this concept of regenerative culture, and it's mm-hmm. it's founded on these principles of regenerative culture, which, to me, really is sacred activism. Like, sacred activism is really like what my whole life is about, and and that's that marriage between between the divine and the earth, you know, like between spirituality and social justice. And, um, and XR doesn't really like explicitly talk about spirituality, but, um, but these, these concepts of regenerative culture and really living more in tune with the earth and, um, taking care of each other and being connected to something greater than ourselves is, is actually pretty embedded in, in, in the language around regenerative culture. And that's, that's really what moved me. It was like, like there's sort of this practical application of 
of these more like abstract things like beauty and love and spirit and um and so i think that really spoke to me because that's what my life has been about like i'm always just like okay meditation how do we actually like put that into practice like how is it like tangible and <laughs> yeah you know, really like part of our day and mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i th- yeah and so i like i think xr is really has been a place to apply all those those things and um and i i mean i don't know i get really passionate about xr i think that it's 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 doing organizing in a different way. I mean, we have a lot of challenges here, especially in the US, but um, but it's about telling the truth. It's about taking action. It's about direct democracy. You know, I like to say to people that it's really way more radical to, to trust each other and to um, to to demand a future in which the people decide what happens and not just politicians decide what happened. It like, it's so much more radical to, to believe in a future where we're like deliberating and trusting each other. Like that's way more radical than me, like gluing my hand to the side of a boat. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like that looks like the badass stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and on some level it is, I mean, there's a lot of like physical risk involved with that kind of stuff, but, but more and more, and maybe this is like the growth of an eight is like learning that the strong thing is like, is love, (laughs) you know, like, it's not just like being strong and being like tough looking. It's like actually being vulnerable and opening, opening ourselves up to trust each other, you know? Uh, And that that's where the power's at. Yeah real power, like actual power, you know, like, yes, like the kind of power that could actually change the world. Mm, yes. Wow. So that feels like a big thing. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I noticed on Instagram kind of, <laughs> this almost seems like the opposite of what you've been talking about. Cause you're, you know, you're talking about this sort of community, social justice, activism uh, work that is like expending a lot of energy. And then I saw on Instagram that you're, you're focusing on holding space for grief. Yeah. So how did this come up and, and why are you doing this now? And like, mm. does this relate at all to anything we've been talking about? Yeah. Oh gosh, it really does. Um, I've been learning and have been challenged by this this lesson that kind of keeps coming up. That's like, and it feels personal, but also. I think for the macro, for the collective, which is to slow down mm-hmm. and to soften. And I just, I keep getting that lesson. I mean, I think I've like learned that lesson. And then like the next day I'm, <laughs> okay. My friend likes to say, I mean, we kind of say this to each other, but she's like, Chelsea, stop trying to make life your bitch. <laughs> and I really, I mean, it's like, it sounds so crude, but like, it's really this, it's so, um, 
it's just the compulsion is like, I've got to like make life what I want it to be. And, and like as an activist and as activists, we have this thought of like, we got to like go and get this thing to happen. And the louder we shout, the more people will listen. And, and I actually just keep finding out that that's not true. And I'm like tired of marches and rallies that are like us just shouting into our echo chamber, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think, what I, I, I don't know, I've been getting this lesson in a lot of ways. One is this teacher I've been following named Bio Komalafe, who he likes to say, times are urgent, let us slow down. And it feels so counterintuitive. And maybe there's something in me that just feels really challenged by that. And so I'm like, what's there? <laughs> but I really think that doing grief work and slowing like the slowing down and really noticing how we're feeling and like regulating the nervous system and 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 getting in touch with 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 our sense of loss and grief and letting all of that um what am i trying to say like it, the invitation is to get into a place where we don't know, like, and to be okay with the not knowing and to see what the not knowing has for us. Mm. So I, like maybe another way to put this is that for the past few years, I've been thinking a lot about the apocalypse. Like, I, you know, we're in this time of real unveiling, like the word apocalypse means to lift the veil. It's a revelation. And, and it doesn't have to be this big, big explosive thing. And yet we kind of tend to still think of it as this big explosive thing. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, we can like dismantle all these systems of oppression, but it's still gonna like be this big explosive thing. So what I've been realizing, sorry, and I hope this all makes sense, but I think I'm bringing it back together, which is that in doing grief work, I feel like, like there's an undoing that happens when we're, when we're in a place of grief. Like when you're really grieving, you're just like shattered, you know, it's like, and it's shattering to look at all that's happening in the world, the climate crisis, the pandemic, you know, police brutality, our, our personal losses and grief. Um, there's just so much that's happening, like too much for our, our brains to, and our hearts and our bodies to hold. And so what would, what would it mean to sort of let ourselves be broken open in order to expand our capacity to hold all of these things? Mm. So in, in some ways, I think that's the connection between activism and grief work is like in both ways, there's sort of this like undoing or this like dismantling of either a system or ourselves or like who we think we are. And then like what arises out of that undoing, like what arises in that place of unknown that, and then what will that tell us? Like maybe there's, maybe there's something that will show us how to save the world that we just like haven't even thought of yet, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if any of that made sense, but it's sort of this exploration of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, undoing ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and it feels um, incredibly sacred to hold both of those things together. Um, and 
ironically, mm. coming from innate, incredibly vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you use the word cracking open ourselves. Yeah. That is, ex that's extremely vulnerable to, to feel those deep feelings and, um, and to hold space for other people to do the same as well is um, yeah. beautiful. So yeah, just Thanks. thank you for everything you're doing and yeah, your creativity and your leadership and um, your, your stillness as well. Um, mm -hmm. I know you do take time for slowing down and meditation and contemplative prayer and, and all of that yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's another place to practice being in the unknown is, yeah. is contemplative practice. That, that for me is why, why I practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are lots of reasons, but that's a big, you know, it's a surrendering. It's, um, yeah, it's a surrendering to something greater. Mm -hmm. I love that. So we are, we're coming up to the close to the end of our time, but before we go, I'm wondering if you would do just a brief little um, Lectio Divina with me. Sure, of course. <laughs> so I've got this poem um, by Joseph Campbell called The Hero Path. And I, I feel like it, uh, it speaks to the essence of, of the eight. So um, I'll read it through one time and um, you know, this first time through, we'll just kind of listen you know, intellectually and kind of get like, what is this about? And then I'll read it through a second time. And on the second time through, we'll you know, listen kind of with our whole being and, and include the, the heart and the body and the imagination or any other piece that um, feels connected. And for the people listening, I invite you to, uh, to do the same. So <clears throat> this is Hero Path by Joseph Campbell. We have not even to risk the adventure alone, for the heroes of all time have gone before us. The labyrinth is thoroughly known. We have only to follow the thread of the hero path. And where we had thought to find an abomination, we shall find a God. And where we had thought to slay another, we shall slay ourselves. Where we had thought to travel outward, we will come to the center of our own existence. And where we had thought to be alone, we will be with all of the world. Mm. Yeah. So... Wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So I'll read it one more time. And we'll just, you know, this time just we'll see and I'll do this with you. Um, we'll just see, you know, if there's a word or a phrase that that pops out that's speaking to you in just in this moment. We have not even to risk the adventure alone for the heroes of all time have gone before us. The labyrinth is thoroughly known. We have only to follow the thread of the hero path. And where we had thought to find an abomination, we shall find a god. And where we had thought to slay another, 
we shall slay ourselves. Where we had thought to travel outward, we will come to the center of our own existence. And where we had thought to be alone, we will be with all of the world. We shall slay ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the labyrinth stood out to me um, because it's like the labyrinth isn't a maze. You can't get lost in it. <laughs> mm. Like yeah. there, there's um, these twists and turns and not knowing, you know, necessarily when we're going to get to the center, but, um, but knowing that is, it is a guided path. And I, I, mm. I, I've been just hearing that in everything you've been sharing about all, all the work you do and just talking about the essence of, of the eight and like what real power is and leadership and it's like, yeah, it's this, it's this guided path. Like it's not about me or <laughs> something bigger. Yeah. 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 So, and we shall slay ourselves is the one that stood out to you. Do you want to say yeah. why that stood out? I think just what we were talking about, um, just sort of getting rid of, like, not getting rid of the ego, but just kind of playing with the ego and and using it in service. Um, and it also makes me think about, I mean, I think the Enneagram, the essence of the Enneagram is to get rid of, or like, uh, I guess, like move beyond or connect beyond these sort of personalities uh -huh. um, I get reminded of that more and more I mean I like you know we were talking about this before you hit record but like I have so much fun with the Enneagram and I follow tons of Instagram accounts just for all the memes and everything but but really it's it's um it's something that has helped me I think get out of the shell of myself over and over again and connect to something different so for me that feels like the slaying of our the slaying of ourselves yeah of the false self <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah getting more in, con in contact with the true self maybe mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and it doesn't have to be i feel like it's such an eight thing to be like we're gonna slay ourselves <laughs> <laughs> it's like so like dramatic and violent <laughs> But it, it doesn't always have to be like a, you know, yeah. like dramatic killing. It can be like a, a shedding or a yes. a gentle dismantling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much. It's been <laughs> super fun. Thank you. So much fun. Big shout out to singer-songwriter Lynn O'Brien, who provided our theme music for this podcast. You can find her music and coaching work online at lynnobrien.love. For more on my work, including Enneagram courses, coaching, Enneagram art, and spiritual direction, visit chelseaforbrook.com. 
please share this podcast with your friends. And I look forward to having you join us next week for our next epic journey. Until then, may the deep peace of presence be with you.